0: Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Who has been here the past couple of weeks? I know I skipped a week. I was... Jumping in, I'm not really a series minister. I kind of just, I used to be, but I really felt like the Lord wanted me to really chop away uh, surrounding this event that happened in two uh, places in the Bible. One was in Genesis with Adam and Eve, where they were tempted at the tree, and they saw that the tree was, remember, good for food? Come on. Pleasant to the eyes, desirable to make one wise, right? So that's the the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Can we say that? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Now, they were in a garden. I'm going to give a quick recap. Can I take two minutes to recap? So so we see here in Genesis uh, chapter 2 and 3, we see the fall of mankind, of Adam and Eve a fall from grace, if you will, a fall out of relationship with God. They were once in fellowship with God where God would minister to them. He walked with them. He talked with them. Everything that they needed was in the garden right then and there. And then they decided to kind of go their own way. They thought God was holding something back from them. So they they pick from the forbidden tree, which, which tree was that? Come on, talk to me. That was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the enemy tempts them and says, hey, has God even said not to eat of that? He said, God has only said that because he's withholding something from you, essentially. That's the DSV version. So so they were concerned. Here's what the devil says. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, you will be like him. But the problem was, is in Genesis chapter 1, he created man in his own image and in his likeness. So they already were made like God. They were already made in his image. So they were trying to become something that they already were. And this is the temptation of the devil. Right? He tries to get you to think and achieve something like works, right? Let me try to become a son. Let me try to become a daughter. He gets you caught up in this works-driven Christianity, not really realizing that Jesus Christ paid everything on the cross. You already are a son. You already are a daughter of God. So the lie is trying to become something that you already are. Make sense? And so we talked about how when they fell from God's grace, We talked about where they went. So they were in a garden. Say a garden. So what's outside of a garden? Come on, say it loud so everybody knows. Okay. I'm not trying to pick at the scriptures, but I'm only assuming that if they were in a garden, they got excommunicated. I'm only assuming that they were in a wilderness. And so if you fast forward thousands of years, we pick up in Matthew chapter four. Well, we're in, uh, let me just read Matthew chapter three first, and then we'll digress a little bit into and talk about Matthew chapter 4. So Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through 17, it says this, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I indeed need to be baptized by you. Are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so, for thus is fitting to fulfill all Righteousness. And then he allowed him. And then when he was baptized, Jesus came up immediately out of the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and aligning upon him. And suddenly a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son. This is the second person of the Trinity. You see, this is one of the only verses in all of scripture where you see the Godhead in one portion of scripture. Does everybody know what the Godhead is? Say the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Did you ever see that? So in one portion of Scripture, you see the entire Trinity. You see the Father speaking. You see the Son coming up out of the water, being baptized, which is Jesus. Say Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. You see the Trinity all in this particular text. And so God says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. So he gets verses 1 through 11. So the Holy Spirit comes upon him. Now watch what happens to Jesus immediately after the Holy Spirit comes upon him. Verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the what? By the what spirit? We need to define that. Okay, by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so he is led by the Spirit. Just want to make sure I'm reading this right as well. Into the wilderness. Say the wilderness. To be tempted. By who? By the, by the devil. So he's sent by the Holy Spirit, led into the Spirit into some trouble. Into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. But now when the tempter came to him, he said to him, if. You are the Son of God. Command that these stones become bread. And Jesus answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of the text. I will in the next coming weeks. But I think it's pretty clear here. Everybody knows I've read this uh, past couple of weeks There are those same three temptations that look a little bit different, but it all represents the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. The same temptations that Adam and Eve were tempted with in the garden. Is everybody tracking me? So so Adam and Eve get extracted or expelled, excommunicated out of the garden. They end up in a wilderness, if you will. And where's Jesus waking up, finding himself facing the same three temptations? Where's he at right now? He's in the wilderness. So I want to suggest to you, as I fast forward, and I don't want to capitalize anymore on it, I want to suggest to you that Jesus was finding himself back in that same situation that Adam and Eve found themselves in related to the temptations because he had to regain access where Adam had been excommunicated. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Jesus is indicated as the second second Adam is everybody tracking me okay Genesis chapter 3 verse 6 you don't have to go there so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food pleasant to the eyes desirable to make one wise she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave to her husband with her so we see that they engaged in that but my whole text is surrounding this one scripture where the devil approaches Jesus Christ the Messiah the Son of God and he tells him, command these stones to become bread. Is everybody ready? Listen, I want to say this right out of the gate. That you cannot pay your way into heaven. Okay? To think that this message is suggesting that we have to go to the cross like Jesus did, I'm not saying that. But everything that Jesus laid out, he models for us to follow. As a matter of fact, he says... Unless you take up your cross once, daily you cannot be my disciple. So, but in no way, shape, or form can we earn our way into heaven. It's all through the finished work of Jesus Christ that he accomplished on the cross by the command of God the Father. And now the Holy Spirit is here, now that Jesus is at his right hand of the Father, the Holy Spirit here is still accomplishing God's work and kingdom in and through our lives. Is that all established? Do we all feel the same? We are on the same lines theologically. However, I believe that the body of Christ is in a similar season of what Jesus was going through right now. I believe that there is a severe testing and tempting that the body of Christ is going through. And we are going to have to pass the test if we're going to get to where God is calling us to be personally. Can somebody say amen to that? Does everybody hear what I'm saying? Okay, to say that Jesus, um, he did accomplish everything, but do you still struggle in your sin? Do I still struggle with my sin? How's that going for some of you and myself? There are still temptations. There are still hardships that we face. There are still, there's st- do you know why we still, do you know, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. He just gave me something that wasn't here. Do you know why we still struggle? Why? Because we live in the flesh. We don't walk according to the flesh like the Bible says, but it says we are trapped in this body. This is why Paul said this, I have to die daily. And this is the way where the enemy uses temptation is when the flesh is alive when we have our own appetites our own agendas and i want to talk about that today how many are ready to start walking into victory how many are done with the christianity of uh, the roller coaster christianity up this season and down the next well paul the apostle of course jesus modeled this really really well paul modeled a life of victory and there was only one reason why uh, paul was able to walk in that type of level of victory he didn't get married no i'm just kidding that, that's not the reason whatsoever that was a joke my wife was looking down that's not why it helped i'm sure you know he didn't give his way his money and stuff and you know yeah, yeah his, his prayer closet didn't get interrupted and uh you know he was able to go where he wanted to on friday night for dinner i'm just kidding i love you honey it was a total joke in trouble after service. He found the art of dying to self. He found out how to crucify the flesh. And the only room that we give the enemy, I believe we give the enemy too much credit in our lives. Really, the the only way he's able to operate in any way, shape, or form, listen, it's not what he throws out at, at you externally. It's, it's what happens on the inside. Like it's, it has everything to do with our appetites, our own desires. You know, the Bible talks about every man is led away by his own desires and lust. This is where we find ourselves in trouble. This is why we have to be careful about what we want. That's really good stuff. So, so in other words, be cautious about what you're hungry for. Be cautious and evaluate yourself as to what is attractive to you. I don't mean just a, another human being, what you are attracted to, because the very thing that you desire can lure you right out of the will of God for your life. Was bread bad? I mean, is bread bad? And Well, some of you are like, yes, it is now. I Googled it yesterday. My doctor told me to get off of it is, is really bad, especially white bread. Well, I still like bread. It wasn't that Jesus didn't want this bread. Bread would not in itself be, uh, would have been bad for Jesus to partake of. But God or the Holy Spirit was leading Jesus into this to cause Jesus to die to certain things. Jesus had to go through a testing and and those temptations because God was trying to build something up in Jesus, a fortitude, a fortification, a death to self so that the external elements wouldn't get to Jesus because God the Father knew that Jesus would go through deep rejection and he needed Jesus not to be moved when the disciples would leave him. God needed Jesus not to, not to be able to be moved when women would help him within the ministry. And he, if he couldn't deny a morsel of bread, he wouldn't be able to deny the finances that were given to the church. Is everybody hearing what I'm saying right here? God was training Jesus... Do you recognize that not one healing and not one miracle, not one blind eye was open before Jesus went through these main temptations? And I want to suggest to you that your usability is limited in God until you face major hardship, trial, and pain, suffering. I know we don't want to preach about it anymore. We want to preach about Bentleys, and we want to preach about brand new shoes. But really, God doesn't value any of that stuff. He wants to bless us, absolutely. He wants to favor us, yes. But he wants it to build on a much better foundation. God values fruit far above his favor fruit of the spirit love joy kindness goodness meekness patience self-control god values death to self far above any of those blessings that are external and so god was bringing jesus through this trial so that when jesus's ministry took off like a rocket it didn't go to his head And I want to tell you this morning that no matter what it is that you're facing, it's not because, and I believe this is the word of the Lord for the people of God right now in this season, you're not going through what you're going through because God is mad at you or he's angry with you. He's building something in you so that when the winds come and the storms come, our life is not based on how much money we're making or not making. Our life is not, uh, our life with Christ is not defined by if we're going through good things or bad things. Our life is founded upon the rock of ages, Jesus Christ, and him and him only. Not circumstances, but Christ. I wish I had at least three amens. Does anybody believe that anymore? Because in the end, God is going to come to his church, the Bible says, and every man's work and every woman's work is going to be tested by what? By fire to see as to what matter it was, like if it was built of wood or stubble or hay, and that stuff will be tried in our lives. Our own faith is being tried in the body of Christ right now. And I got a, I've got a hunch this morning. I've got, I've, got a, I've got a knowing in my mind, like a, like a uh, just this, know, my knower, say my knower. We have a knower. That knower is called the Holy Spirit. That there is people in this room that are going through specific challenges and you're asking God to deliver you from them. But if God were to deliver you from them, he wouldn't be able to accomplish certain things in your life. Because, in order to accomplish those certain things, he needs you to be a certain somebody. Is everybody hearing what I'm saying? And Jesus was brought through this wilderness, these temptations, because God, yes, he was already the Son of God, but it had to be tested. What was in him had to be tested. The genuine faith had to be tested. The desires for the things of the world had to be tested. Do not tell me that Jesus didn't have a sinful desire. Okay, so they don't, they don't crucify me later. He was in how many points tempted? You know your Bible. He was in all points tempted, yet. He's the only man who did this, yet with no sin. Jesus never sinned. Do you know it's not a sin to think it? But you have to get rid of the thinking once it comes. Because what you don't kill will try to kill you. And so Jesus is being brought through this wilderness experience, this temptation of turning the stones in the bread. And, and remember I just had mentioned, is this okay this morning? The, 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 the turning, if God had turned, Jesus would have turned those stones in the bread and eaten them. I don't think there would have been some terrible immediate results, but I do believe it would have showed up in his ministry later if he didn't have the power to resist. I believe that there are genuine Christians in this room and watching online that love Jesus, but lack something. The power to resist. We don't talk about this anymore. The power to resist. Do you know how many marriages would be saved? Do you know how many people would still be married? And so many people in this room will stay married if they, were develop, if they were to develop the power to resist. And this is not in human strength. This is only by the working of the Holy Spirit. The power to resist. Say resist. To say no even when something looks good. I know it's not a popular message, but many, many Christians are in the trouble that they're in today because they don't have the power to resist. Now when the tempter came, he said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. First of all, do you see what the devil is trying to do? Okay. God is omnipotent, all-powerful, and he's all-knowing. Say omniscient. It means he knows everything. He knows everything about you. He knows you're rising up. He knows you're sitting down. He knows every single thing about you. He knows what moves you, what doesn't move you. He knows the desires of your heart. He knows all of that stuff, but the enemy is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. This is why he tempts with the same strategies. See, God uses new strategies, like what he uses in my life to get me to be conformed into the image of God's son that God uses, that the Holy Spirit uses, will not be the same thing that he uses on my wife or Ken or Donna or anybody else. Or the Watts family. Do you understand? He's, he, he, the Lord uses different things based on our personalities, our appetites, our desires. But the devil uses the same three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. He'll use the same three things. And I can guarantee you that whatever you're struggling with right now has to do with one of those three things. Think about that. It's either the lust of the eye, like, I want that. Why does so and so have that? I really would want, I really would like that. I don't have that. And then here's the enemy. He comes in right behind that. You don't have that because God is not good. He's withholding something from you. Remember what Adam and Eve heard from the enemy? God knows, and then the day that you eat of it, you'll be like God. God is withholding something from you, essentially. Now, watch this the same temptation the enemy uses on jesus command these stones to be bread if you are the son of god if you are who you say you are do it listen any time that you feel the need to try to prove something you prove that and you try to prove it you prove that you're not Because a secure man or woman don't have to do anything to prove it. They are secure in the Lord. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? That's exactly what the devil tried to do with Adam and Eve. Become like God. Eat of this tree. You'll become like him. The devil was picking up on the scent that they didn't really believe what God's word said in Genesis 1.26. He was trying to see if Jesus... The second Adam, say the second Adam, would fall for the same tactic. And this is what the enemy does. He first and foremost wants to come and see if you're insecure about yourself and your relationship with the Lord. He'll test you there. And then he'll try to get you to exercise things outside of God's timing. Good things, but not God things. Turn these stones into bread. Make your own way. God is only in church. Come and visit him. Love on him for 30 minutes to an hour. In this case, two hours. But when you go out to make a living, don't involve him. Turn those stones into bread. Use the giftings that he's given you to glorify yourself and to feed yourself. Use the power that God has put in you to make your own way of life. This is the trap of the enemy. Certainly making food or turning things into bread wasn't bad. After all, Jesus fed... I'll get to that later it was the timing of it it was the timing of it do you know thank you lord there there are times when i want something and i intentionally and not that it's even bad i intentionally say no just to remind my flesh i'm going to probably say something i shouldn't say but you kids uh you know close your ears There's nothing wrong within the marriage bed. Everybody understand that? God created good things like uh, that. I get shy when I talk about stuff like that. Too many singles in the room. I'm going to start blushing. Somebody say amen. It is holy between a man and a woman. In the marriage covenant, within the marriage covenant, I said within the marriage covenant, But there are times when I know I'm consecrating myself to the Lord. I exercise the power to resist, not that I can't engage with my wife or take my wife out on a date or be with my wife or be affectionate with my wife. But I will exercise the power to resist to remind the flesh you are not in control. Some of us ought to start practicing that. Because listen, what you exercise grows If you do not exercise the power to resist, the enemy will always come along and say, turn that stone into bread. You have the power to do it. You have the power to exercise it. But I believe God is raising up a generation who is going to have the power to resist over external elements. You know, you don't always have to obey your heart. My mom used to say that, mom, that was not, you've given me good advice now. But before when you said follow your heart, it wasn't always the most awesome advice. Follow your desires. She's holy now. But sometimes you ought to say no to ordering that specific food. Just to teach the flesh. Listen, if Jesus would not have been able to deny a morsel of bread, look at all the opportunities within ministry he would have had. But what you you resist now determines on what God will give you and trust you with. He loves everybody but doesn't trust easily. He, what I mean is entrust with his power. Let me ask you this. Did Jesus do one miracle? I, I'd love to read it for you. If you read in Matthew chapter four, if you read some of the last verses, it says that then, after the, after the temptations happened, then Jesus went about preaching the gospel and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Does everybody understand that? But not before the temptations happened. God will release his power and his anointing. I'm not saying his spirit. When we're saved, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about power to create change in a community or in a home god will only entrust his power with those who it is who are trustworthy who've gone through testing come on you can't even get an mba or a ba or a master's degree unless you've passed some tests so it is in the kingdom when you are put in situations where you do not resist it will hinder your ability to grow In the Lord, and to be entrusted with God's power. Say amen. amen. Listen to this. The enemy is very predictable, he always uses the same tactics to get you to question God. I asked you this before Was it wrong for Adam and Eve to eat? Come on. No. It was only wrong to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil because God had commanded them not to. So I've said this before. Every single need that we have, God has put in us. Say, he put it in me. Is everybody awake this morning? He's put it in me. And they are legitimate needs. Do you know that's all sin is? Is a legitimate need being carried out in an illegitimate way? Every need, every single need that we deem to be sin right now, it's only sin if you, if you turn that stone into bread, if you, if you get it or try to attain it outside of God's timing. That's good stuff. And God desires to meet that in his timing, every single need. So sin is a legitimate desire being carried out in an illegitimate way, right? Was it wrong for Jesus to be hungry after fasting? No, but he would have never had the power to resist the temptation of abandoning. Remember the temptation of abandoning the cross? Let this cup pass from me, Father. Do you think he would have had the power to resist if he couldn't resist eating bread? God was doing something in him. Some of you are like, the enemy just has something out for me. No, God is allowing that stuff to happen so that you get built up on the inside, your spirit man, to say no to certain things. Some of us... Some of us can't say no because we never say no. And we have taught our body to say yes to everything we feel and desire and want. But your spirit man needs to be built up just as much as the external man needs to be built up. Most of us have our flesh in the driver's seat. Anything we see something, want to buy something, want to spend the money, our body just jumps right into it. But God wants to build up the power within our lives to resist certain things. Is it wrong to want to make money and to supply for our, our, our families? men? Is it wrong to want to supply yourself, those single ladies? Is, is it wrong to want to get your hair done and have money to buy things? No, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. But there is God's way and then there's our way. And the enemy, I, I have seen the enemy at work as of late in people's lives essentially saying, turn that stone into bread. Do it your way. Do the God thing your way. Feed yourself your way. Is, there, is, it, is it wrong? Are sexual desires wrong? No, but outside of marriage, it is destructive and cheap. turn that stone into bread. Make it happen earlier than what it was supposed to. I I know you're called to multiply five loaves and two fish and feed multitudes, but feed yourself first. Do you see that? Look at the greatness that Jesus was called to if he would have failed in this area. If we as Christians, fail in this area of the flesh, we will not be trusted with spiritual things. Do you know this? Every single one of us, look at your neighbor and say, this includes you. You are called, I really want everybody to hear this really good. You are called to master the flesh. Master it, not be mastered by. And you can't master the flesh with the flesh. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? You have to master it by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us power to say no. Even to sometimes things that seem good. Some things that come across my desk seem to be good. It would make me feel good. But there are no more than distractions. We have to have the power to resist. Is it wrong to want to accomplish big things for God, gifted people? Come on, talk to me. But there is God's way and there is our way. And listen, if the enemy cannot stop you from accomplishing things for God, which he cannot, he cannot But guess what he'll want you to do? He will try to get behind you and drive you so fast that you outrun the Holy Spirit. He will drive you and push you and try to get you to turn those stones into bread. He will try to get you to go faster than what God permitted. It must be hitting home because y'all are really quiet this morning. If he, can't, if he can't get you off course, listen to me. This, I believe this is from the Holy Spirit. If the devil cannot get you off course, he will want you to go faster than the Lord. He'll want you to get ahead of him. Work hard and he'll drive you. And he'll guess what he'll use to drive you? Your desires that are unsanctified. My desires that are unsanctified. This is why we must be a master of what we feel on the inside. Amen? Somebody say, turn these stones into bread. Say, I will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You want to know how I discern when I'm about to walk outside of the parameters of God's will? Can I tell you one of my little secrets? This is, a, this, is a, this, is a, this is a powerful secret. When my mind starts being bombarded and being consumed on how to make certain things happen. Everybody hear that? It's basic, but it's so true. As soon as you start being consumed with, how do I make this happen? I gotta make this happen. When you try to help God, At the point, the first time you make the move to help God out and to hurry the process, you've just stepped ahead of God. You're at the beginning stages of turning that stone into bread. Do you know why so many people struggle with discerning if something is in the will of God or something is the will of God or it's the enemy? You wanna know? Because they both sound so similar. Those voices sound so similar. The Bible says that the devil is an angel of light. He portrays himself like an angel of light. Here's the difference the devil puts a twist on it. Right? Would Jesus soon be asked? to turn to multiply bread come on he would be asked to multiply the father he knew he was supposed to operate in that miracle your gift anytime you you use the gift for you you're out of God's divine order And the anointing will lift off your life quickly. And when you, use, when you use the gift that God has given you for others, the anointing increases. Your gift isn't for you. It's for them. If Jesus would have turned that bread... Excuse me, that stone into bread, he would have got out of God's divine order. He would have used it on himself. Because his gift wasn't to feed himself, he was called to feed multitudes. I'm almost done. You know what I truly believe? If Jesus would have turned, always remember the gift is not for you. Always remember it. There's things that the Lord has done in me and my wife's life. And and my wife says, we should do this. I said, that's not for us. It's for the people. It's for God's people. Whatever little extra we give, it, we give it to the Lord. You give it to the Lord. As soon as you start, be careful about what you use on yourself. It's, never, it's not meant for us. It's meant for them. It's meant for him to be glorified by doing it for them. And I, I truly believe that in Matthew chapter 14, verse 15 through 21. It's, let me read it to you. I really believe if Jesus would have turned the stones into bread, God would have never trusted Jesus with multiplying the five loaves and two fish. Watch this. Matthew chapter 14, verse 15 through 21. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages to buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Jesus could be trusted to work with bread now. This is good stuff. So he commanded the multitudes to sit down in the grass and he took the five loaves And two fish, and he looked up to heaven, he blessed them, and he broke them and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples to the multitudes. And they all ate and were filled. And then they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So if there was a one wife and one child, you do the math. What you are willing to let go of and resist will determine what you could be trusted with. If you have to lie to get a position, you are not worthy of that position. If you have to hurt someone in order for you to get the job or do you get the place, you are not fit to lead. It's hard words I speak this to myself if I cannot put the people of God before myself I'm not fit to be your pastor Joel said to me I didn't understand it until I thought about it he said I don't. I hate talking about myself he asked me why I was I was helping early on he was asking why I helped at all the outreaches one of the first few people here the Bible says, those who are greatest among you should be the servant of all. We should serve. We should serve. We should be the, you know, when you're a leader, you should be the first to give. As a matter of fact, you should prefer other people above yourself. Let them get the promotion. Yeah, this is hard. But this is, this is the way, there's difference between culture and God's kingdom. They're two different things. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I don't want to live according to the culture, but I want to live according to God's kingdom. And listen to what the Lord, I believe the Lord is saying through this scripture. So Jesus was broken about this, you know, regarding the desiring of the bread. He was broken, right? You cannot bless someone in an area you have not been broken. Some of you have women ministry women's ministries in your heart because of what you went through. Because you've been broken in certain areas. Men as well. You've been through something. You didn't have a father. But God has put something in you through your brokenness to be able to feed people. So where you've been broken, you should God will anoint you to bless other people. Most worship leaders and worshipers, gifted people have been broken in certain areas of their lives. That's why, that's why the anointing is on their worship. Isn't that right? If you look at different worship leaders' lifestyles, like BC, they've gone through some type of tragedy, and God anoints that thing. And if you could worship beyond your tragedy, God turns it into oil for you and then for others. Amen? So he broke the bread and fed the multitudes. So I'm almost done. You can stand to your feet. Was this good? So, so the thing that Jesus resisted in the Bible is bread. I want you to see these three segments. If, if I could drive anything home, here's what it would be. Matthew chapter 4, the beginning, right before Jesus' ministry, he resists bread. Midway, in the Word of God, we find ourselves. Matthew chapter 14, Luke is around midway as well. You'll see this miracle of the five loaves and the two fish. Jesus multiplying the bread. So he resisted it, then was trusted to multiply it. But then, in the very end, what is the one last act that Jesus does with his disciples? Right before his crucifixion and even after his crucifixion. If we really want to be technical, he sat down actually with the disciples in Passover, say Passover. This was the night before Jesus would uh, be tried and be beaten and be crucified. But if you want to fast forward it beyond that, actually, Jesus had disciples, uh, excuse me, had communion breaking the bread and drinking the wine after his crucifixion. Do you know when that was? With the men on the road to Eumaeus. Remember when they restrained him and then they sat down and when he broke the bread? This is too deep. They may not stay here. You start teaching deep stuff. He sat down and he broke the bread and the Bible says this. Can I read it? Luke chapter 24, as I close, verse 13. Dean is going to say, hallelujah. I'm closing, Dean. Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Eumaeus, which is seven miles from Jerusalem. And they had talked together about all these things that happened. So it was that while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. This is after the crucifixion. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And Jesus goes on to say, what kind of conversation is this? What are you guys talking about? And they said, and I'll paraphrase, are you the only guy in Jerusalem? All these things that happened to Jesus of Nazareth, how he was crucified, that we thought he was the one who was going to turn the the Roman government over, he was going to overthrow them. And And then Jesus opens his mouth and says to them, Oh, how slow you are at heart. He said, Oh, foolish ones and slow at heart to believe that all the things that the prophets had spoken ought not the Christ to have suffered the things those things and enter his glory and from the beginning of Moses and the prophets he expounded to them all the scriptures the things concerning himself then they drew near the village and when they were going he indicated that he would have gone further but they constrained him they held on to him and they said abide with us for it is evening and the day is far spent And and he went in to stay with them can we pass out communion can we do that And it says this, watch this, they're having communion. Say communion. Did you guys ever see that in the scriptures? Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And it says this, then their eyes were opened and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did our hearts not burn within us as he talked to us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Such a beautiful passage. Remember how Jesus explained to them how the Christ might have suffered. Suffering has a way of blinding us. It says their eyes were Closed. They couldn't see. Suffering has a way of doing that, of keeping you from seeing with the eyes of the Lord regarding your situation. But actually, if you really think about it, it's the breaking of the bread, the breaking of the bread of Christ, the body of Christ that actually opens our eyes to be able to see adequately. Do you understand? If, if, you, if you look at your situation, yes, Lord, I'll follow you there. If you look at your eyes through your pain, if you look at your situation through the eyes of your pain, your situation will grow ever discouraging and it will compound. And the more you look at it, the worse it gets. But when you look at it through the breaking of Christ's body, Is everybody following me? When you look at it through the breaking of his body, you you see that thing in a very, very different way. You see that he's using the breakings of life. He's using it. Say he's using it. He's using it to perfect you. You think it's breaking you, but he's perfecting you look at someone and nudge him and say, he's perfecting you. And and listen, can I tell you one thing God is very good at? Following through. Unlike us. He follows through. Until Christ is formed. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.